Welcome to the Apex Vaulting Podcast. Uh, I know it's been a little while since we posted our last episode, uh, but it's been a crazy summer trying to figure things out at the club. But we finally have this great episode for you. It's episode 88 with Coach Tim Riley from the Northwest Pole Vaulting Club. He has produced some of the best high school vaulters the last few years, including Chloe Cunliffe, who's the American Junior National Record holder. She jumped 14.9 indoors and 14.8 outdoors in high school. Amazing, amazing results. And I, I spoke to Coach Tim Riley about how important coaching systems are to developing talent. Um, it was a great episode. Love uh, hearing his insight. I hope you guys enjoy the episode as well. If you do enjoy the podcast, please, please subscribe. Uh, you could subscribe to it on iTunes or you could subscribe to our YouTube channel, um, Apex Vaulting. And please leave us a review or comment. That really helps. Um, if you have any comments or questions, please make sure to email us at apexvaulting at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you and we'd love to help out if there's any way we can help. Um, enjoy the episode, everybody. All right, welcome to the Apex Vaulting Podcast. I know it's been a little while, uh, but we have a great guest for you, uh, Tim Riley. Uh, you know, you're an amazing coach. Uh, I, I'd like you to speak for yourself about all the, the stuff that you've done. I mean, the numbers are just I, – I, if I didn't know it was true, I wouldn't believe it. Like when I look at the results that you've gotten over the last few years and stuff, it, it's, it's amazing stuff. And um, like I said before we started the podcast, I saw your coaching series video when kind of coronavirus all happened. There were those Friday videos, and I was super impressed by yours. I mean, you, you have a true system for your coaching at, at your club from beginner to end. And what I loved is like you kind of walked everybody through like the first day at your club, like what you do with someone. And I think that's so critical. I think sometimes we get so caught up on technique and sure there's, I think some subtle differences on this, this coaching technique or that coaching technique. But if you don't have a system, I, I think you're, you're going to be lost as a coach. So could you speak to that? Like, how did you develop your system? What's your background? I know we were talking a little bit about Rick Attic just a moment ago. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm flattered to be invited. Ah, no problem, man. I uh, Background-wise, I go back to about fourth grade when I had some obsession with pole vaulting. I do not know where it came from. And you've heard this story before, but nobody in the city of Spokane had, knew anything about pole vaulting. And the schools <laughs> I had had no poles, no coaches. And so I was at this thing just passionately. I only got to 13 six in high school. I had almost no poles. I got to freshman year of college. I still had no poles, so I borrowed the same single pole I used in high school oh senior year for my whole yeah. freshman year of college. Oh, it was awful. Um, but then once I started coaching people, I first found Carl Erickson, who's my first great mentor. He did okay. a clinic in the Seattle area, and I, I could not believe what he was able to accomplish in short time. And then as I started doing that, people started chasing me around like, what the heck are you doing, man? I'm like, ah, yeah, I'm kind of learning, you know? Yeah. And so then uh, I did a summer of camps with Carl and then my camps, you know, changed dramatically and became very popular. So I've been doing that as a full-time teacher for 30 years before I retired from teaching. Okay. It's only the last six years that I've been in a, since I retired in 14 from teaching that I've been doing a gym year round. So okay. when people say, what the heck have you done in the last few years? Well, I, I've stopped teaching and I'm doing this year round. That's one answer to that thing. Yeah. Uh, but if you're, if you think that I have a system, maybe orthodox, maybe unorthodox, and this is my system and I'm sticking to it, I would, I'd say I don't. Um, 
if there's anything that I've learned over 40 years of coaching high school kids is that I will never arrive or figure it all out. I am constantly um, unapologetically picking the brains of every guru I, I can befriend. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so even my, you know, the, the starting day system that I shared on that YouTube, it, it, I've been polishing that and tweaking it every time I think, okay, this is not working for this kid. What am I going to do to communicate this, give them a feeling and, you know, so it's, I'm, it's constantly getting to be more resourceful, although, you know, it, it's a pretty cool starting system that I have. So as a rule, I would say um, that the system is to never stop learning and never stop tweaking. And in, in uh, online learning modules, it's called successive approximation. You know, you learn about your first attempt and it's like, whoa, I tried it, but I, I got to tweak some things. And, it, and it's still going on that way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so my my friendship, ongoing friendship with coaches. I would mention like Pat Lacar has been a, a camp coach uh, assistant of mine and a really good buddy for a couple of decades. He and I talk all the time and and uh, pick each other's brains and coach together. Recently, in the last couple of years, Pat Manson and Stacy Dugila have become more friends, and so now you know we're getting together and visiting a lot, sharing wisdom, and doing little mini camps and competitions together. And we plan mm-hmm. to do more. So um, my system is fed by an attitude of humility, like I'm not going to learn it all. And I, and, I, mm-hmm. and I will never say that I've got it all figured out. Um, and I think that's probably why it's gone so well. Um, no, I, I mean, I, I totally agree with you. I think like as a coach, you have to constantly be learning and tweaking. And just listening to you talk, it, it reminds me uh, of talking to Coach Winder from uh, North Central College. And one of the things he said was like, you know, it's like as a coach, you're constantly dealing with problems. So the more people you coach, the more problems you've had to deal with. And so you've developed, you know, different drills or progressions to deal with those issues. Um, And I I definitely think that's that's so true. Um, I just, you know, I. And again, like every name that you've mentioned, you know, those are good coaches that they, they have systems, they have a way to do things. I just feel like oftentimes, especially when I watch like people who are new to coaching, they get so caught up in just like, okay, up a grip back a half, or do I go up a pole or down a pole? And sometimes like when you're trying to address skills, right? Like you're trying to teach skills, that's not so much an issue. You, you're trying to get a kid on a a grip or a pole that's appropriate so they can learn the skill and take them through the, through the skills, you know? So, I mean, like, for example, going back to that, that video that you did, you know, how did you develop your, your first day practice? You know what I mean? Like that, that seems like something that, you know, obviously you maybe tinker with it and depending on who comes in, you may take something, take something out and put something in, but how how did you develop that? Well, uh, it's a learning lab. You know, uh, like you say, uh, uh, some trial and error and stuff like that. Uh, collegiality with uh, buddies. And then uh, I have, I have so um, I'll give you a, uh, a couple of my systemic principles. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe that will be. And the first one is that I have found that front loading, mm-hmm. emphasizing the A phase is, a, is, is my preferential uh, bias for teaching kids to pole vault. So I'm not putting them uh, up a little bungee and say, hey, let's try holistically vaulting over this thing. Lord mm-hmm. knows what it's going to look like. Right. Uh, I want them to, to feel and to program and to normalize, habituate the, the foundational things of vaulting, which, which most folks would agree are 
uh, an approach tempo, which mm -hmm. accelerates into takeoff, uh, a timing of pull, drop, and plant that minimizes velocity loss, a jumping mm -hmm. vertical impulse attitude that is different from just flying into it and tackling something, and last is to, to fly into a stretched out long body, which will move the pole and set them up for the B phase that comes next. So mm -hmm. I, I, don't, I don't want them swinging until I see that showing up over and over and over again. So now your question is, so how do I get them to feel those things today on the first right. day, right. right? And so that's why I, I just say, okay, I'm not even gonna let you pole vault until I let you stand on a little platform and hold what, how I want you to hold and just lean into this thing. I'm gonna keep the pole from moving. I want you to feel yourself hanging from that stretched out <laughs> position. Ready? Now we're gonna roll it over the floor. Now you step off. And as soon as I see like, nope, there went the trail leg. No, 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 nope, you pulled. I wanna fix, fix, fix that from a step off, right? Now you've done that 10 times in a row, we're gonna to go to the floor and jog it. You know, or walk it first. Now, nice, now you're doing it, now jog it. And every, you know, you keep seeing like, nope, wrong, nope. Stop right there, fix, 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 proceed again, right? And now we're gonna speed up. So um, the second principle, other than A phase is my emphasis, I don't have them swinging, maybe for many sessions. And if it was like a freshman high school season, they might not be going over a bar or entering a track meet mm -hmm. for a month, six weeks. Right. Because I want them to crush it the first day and look competent and be safe and know what they're doing. I don't want right. to get three points at a track meet because the other right. team doesn't have anybody by having them fly over and land on their neck. So we're right. not doing that. So my second feature is that get it right and then make it faster, right? So as soon as the quality just, just, sags in my progression, just one second. I'm sorry to interrupt. So I just to like make sure everybody's uh, grasping what we're talking about. First day, the things that you're trying to hit with people are are the run, the plant, and the takeoff, and you're trying to teach those skills. And the other thing, while I'm listening to you talk about it, you know, I think what coaches sometimes forget is like you have to be patient enough to allow the athlete to learn those skills and do it over and over and over again. So like, I, I feel like, I, I don't know how you feel, but I, I feel like the longer I coach, almost the less I try to accomplish on the first day of practice. Like, I feel like sometimes people are too quick to try, let's, let's get this person to five lefts, let's get them to hit a bungee, you know what I mean? And it's like, no, if you could teach those skills, you know what I mean? Like you just said, you know, the running part, the, the plant, the takeoff, that's going to set them up down the road so that actually when you do go back to that five left, they're going to have a really, really put together jump and demonstrate a lot of great skills. Like I always compare it to like, like boxing. I mean, could you imagine going into a boxing class for your first day and they let you just spar with someone who's been boxing for three years? You're never coming back. You're going to get knocked out, you know? It's like you have well, to demonstrate no, a jab. pressures to get us to hurry. You know, the head coach let me have the best athlete on the team. I want some points. When are you going to put this kid in a track meet? What the heck are we doing here? And mom and dad right. are like, so what's the deal? You know, so uh, there are there are some pressures. But each time I've kind of rushed it, I was like, God dang it. Yeah. Now i got this kid who's going 11 and everybody's happy. But there's something really bad about their foundational technique. And it's going to take me a long time to fix it. So well, bad on me for falling into that trap. Well, even something that you mentioned while you were explaining your process of the first day is like teaching the athlete feeling and awareness. If you rush the process, 
they're not going to get that awareness. And I mean, I I tell people all the time, I'm sometimes shocked how often I go to a meet and and you might see a kid like a boy jump 14 feet. They have zero awareness. That pole hits the back of the, the back of the box. And you know, as a coach, you're like, they shouldn't swing and they go full swing and they're in the standard or they unfortunately land in the box. And it's like, that kid has no awareness. And I think sometimes when you rush that process, these, these are the kinds of things that you end up seeing. And those kids are never going to fully develop because they haven't yeah. attained that awareness. <clears throat> yeah, right on. So, um, I, you know, no matter what the progression, hey, let's raise the grip. Let's go still next pole, whatever it is. Let's go from four lefts to five lefts. You're bound to see a breakdown. Mm-hmm of the fundamentals you've been building right the and and my assessment of that is well it's a manifestation of fear like whoo you've just amped this thing up a little bit and i'm not so sure about that so all of a sudden i see this crappy posture and i say okay okay stop i this is what i'm seeing uh is it can you name something that's made you uncomfortable and they think about it and say yeah that last grip yeah i say okay cool down we go i want it to be good before we move on i don't want to steamroll you with, with speed here and speaking of the fear management, which I think is a huge thing for us at our level, I don't know, uh, you're at, a, at an older level than I am, but that, that you know, the Tom Teles, uh, you know, clinic set does not understand necessarily as fear management because, you know, they've had kids that have been vaulting for five years already that they're working with, and, and some of that is not so fresh. But I mitigate the fear and I accelerate my learning process by keeping kids on light poles when they first come to me. And I know that I raise eyebrows with some of the uh, um, college gurus or the older set of guys. They say, no, no, got to start kids on straight poles. Yeah, well, okay. Uh, But I got a lot of data that I'm accumulating here Mm -hmm. on how fast kids are progressing. And you're asking the question, how are you doing this? Well, listen to my whole answer. One is that that I don't tell a 175 pound freshman boy like, oh, dude, you know, the only 175-pound pole I happen to have at the school here is this 15-footer that was used right. in 1960. Sorry, you got to learn on this freaking thing. That's insane. There's no way that kid – well, you know, if there's any change the rule has made and made it safer, probably all those kids have just gone away. <laughs> you know, they – Well, no, I, I think you bring up an interesting point because, I mean, listen, I, I love straight pole drills and, and I do them. But I think, you know, you obviously have to blend in also some, some yeah. jumping with, with poles that bend. Um, and I, I had a kid jump 15 this year who's, who's a big guy. He's not super explosive. Um, high school kid, he's like 6'3", probably uh, – he's probably 200 pounds, right? And the thing is, like, like you said, it's like, okay, you can't – like even when he was a sophomore, he was probably like 180. You can't put him on a 1580. You know what I mean? So he, he did jump on a 1365, a 13770, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. And I mean, like, as he progressed, he got on bigger and bigger poles, but yeah. it's like, and it's completely safe. But the thing yeah. is, it's like that weight rule is almost like a band aid. It doesn't actually fix the problem. Cause I mean, listen, right. anybody who's coached long enough, you've seen athletes that are jumping on poles above their weight and they break. And you've seen athletes that are jumping on poles below their weight. And because they jump properly, those poles don't break, you know? Yeah. And I know that the worry was, like when I gave my presentation, I, I, I didn't explain it well. I, but, but the guys were like, oh, Tim, you know, there's going to be coaches out there who don't have your coaching eye, who can't say, this is a safe environment. I can see it's barely flexing. You're landing in the center. 
this is safe. Oh, now it's not. Change polls. They don't have the, the, the seasoned experience I have to know kids are safe. So I appreciate that. But not everybody has, like I have a starter set of poles that go mm -hmm. 11 and a half feet long that go from 90 pounds to 175. Mm -hmm. Well, that okay. makes it very easy for kids to get on even weight poles before I ever put them in a track meet. And I right. don't see kids to track meets. I do respect the rule. Uh, you know, I don't have them vaulting on illegal poles. Right. But because I start them as I do and I let the pole flex just a little bit, it just mm -hmm. makes it less of a collision. And, right. And, and it moves things and they're not dipping their heads over to the left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hitting the head. You can't believe how much faster they learn these beautiful flight positions if the pole just gives a little bit for them. And, and I, so that, that's another feature of my system. And, uh, no, I mean, uh, it, even it helps my time to proficiency. Yeah. Even what you're saying there, it's like, it's interesting. I think a lot of people too, that even talk about straight pole drills, cause I, I've noticed this. If you are doing straight pole drills, but the athlete is on way too stiff of a pole. Like imagine like, I don't know, 130 yeah. pound female on like a 13, 175. Yep. They're going to have a really tough time. I think most people do those straight pole drills probably on a 1350, maybe 40. And it is yeah. flexing just a little bit like yep. you're saying, because it is a little bit more forgiving and you can try to get in that good takeoff position instead of like trying to peek yeah. around the pole, like you're saying, or even like something, I, I don't know if you've noticed this, but a lot of times, especially with you talking about fear, athletes will actually like open their hands real quick right before the pole hits mm. the box. And then that causes that collapse and that grabbiness, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with what you're saying. Yeah. So um, uh, I'll let them swing, you know, uh, pretty early, but chances are they're on my rings to do it. I, I have my rings on the pulley system so I can set them down where they can just grab them and I get them, get them to tap, tap, tap on the floor and then mm -hmm. fight to swing. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't, I don't have them swinging on a pole for, for quite a while. And when I do, I tell them, there's why I don't have you swinging yet. Because as soon as I say, go swing, this is what your legs are going to do. And this is mm -hmm. what's going to happen. And I say, wait, I, it's not worth having a swing if we can't tack it onto a beautiful A phase. So when I do introduce the bungee, you know, I throw it up at five feet or something like that. As soon as the trail leg comes up, I say, oh, next time, no swing. We're going yeah, back yeah. to right side up. Now you try it again. You're going to keep your leg long. And then, of course, they do that because, they're right. like, oh, you know, so so that, that's the way I kind of move in that direction. And it's no time till a beginner, like within a month, they're all going nine or ten feet with me. Right. And it's not because they're super athletes. It's because they have this sweet A phase. Yeah. Right, and the, you don't need a beautiful top end to uh, be safe and to vault decently high. You know, uh, early. well, and, and I I often like the way I talk about it is like it's like dominoes, right? It's like the top end should should kind of be the last thing that is developed and and perfected because you you have all this stuff that happens before. You know, you have the pole carry, the run, the plant, the takeoff, the swing. Now we get to the top end, and and like you said, I think. You do have to play with that. Like maybe you start doing some swing stuff, but now they're messing up the takeoff. You got to go back, you know, because yeah. otherwise they're building a jump that's kind of broken, you know? Yeah. Right on. Yeah. yeah. And practice makes permanent. So it's like, how many times are you going to let them do that before right. you go back and get to work re repairing that? You know, I'm so impressed with the, uh, my Ellen uh, development in the neuromuscular system that whether it's right or wrong, that thing is going to become the way that you do things. And uh, yeah, uh, yeah, right. So another uh, thing about my system is that um, 
I have what I call activation drills all around me. So uh, every time a kid jumps, um, there's something that we say, oh, this was good, but you know what we want to do a little differently is whatever it is. Before you go stand in line and visit, go to the station mm-hmm. and feel that. And so I've, I've got all these stations around my pit. Luckily, I don't have to go to a gymnastics room or a weight room across campus or whatever. It's all right here in my training center. So kids know, oh, yeah, I've got like five different ones for various plant idiosyncrasies or, you know, top end stuff or whatever it is. <laughs> go feel that again before your next turn. And, and I, I call that, uh, you know, kinesthetic programming, I guess, rather than just saying next time, Sally, you got a blah, blah, blah. Well, okay, I can say it 10 times. It's right. not gonna, it's not going to stick because I've said it. So right. I find that allowing them to feel it and program it in between turns uh, it has a, at least a double effect, if not the triple, because they're actually kind of imagining what they're going to be doing. Mm-hmm. So they can feel it, picture it, and then get back on the runway again. So I was never able to do that kind of a stuff in my whole high school teaching career when all I was doing is going out to the track where we have a pit and we bring our bag of poles out there. That's, that's been a change in my training center that's made me a much more effective teacher. And when kids come to me, you know, frustrated, they, some mom flies them from California, they're so frustrated they haven't made any progress. Well, I can change things pretty fast for them because I'm, I'm, I'm going to take them through these, these stations of, of changing the motor movement, you know, so they, I'm not just going to talk to them anymore about that. So. Um, I think you're bringing up a, a, you know, a lot of things. I mean, one, just kind of go back to something way earlier. I just wanted to make a note of even like what we were discussing about the weight rule, you know what I mean? And how to use the poles and and manipulate it. So you get a good jump out of a kid by talking more about it. We're educating more people about how to approach this. And I think that's super important. I think too often in the pole vault world, we've been like, Oh, let's just not discuss this topic. You know what I mean? But then that's why people, are kind of lost, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think even what you're bringing up with environment, because I, I remember when I was coaching at a high school and yeah, you're right. All you had was the pit. You could, you didn't have a high bar right next to your pit and, right. and all this other stuff, you know, where kids can, you know, if they're having trouble, let's say with their swing up, you know, okay, hey, why don't you go on the high bar of the rings? Why don't, you know, why don't you do a swing up drill there? Do you feel how your body's working? Do you feel the muscles that you're contracting to do that? Okay, now jump back on the runway. Like you couldn't do that when you were, you were just outside, you know, at the pit. Right. Um, I, I think even like something that I thought about when you mentioned like, you know, now that you retired from teaching and you're doing this year round and you have your camp year round is like, I feel kind of the same way uh, towards athletes. Like at a certain point, if the athlete really, really wants to vault, that's their, their, their passion. They want to focus on that training year round is makes such a huge difference. You know, I, I feel like that's yeah. one of the things that I, I feel like sometimes again in the track world, I think a lot of coaches want to be able to work with the football players or they want to be able to work with the, the, the wrestlers or whatever. And so they always, we always talk about, Oh, you got to do as many sports as you can. And I think as a young athlete, yeah, you should try everything and figure out what you really love and what you enjoy. But at some point you do have to specialize because that is going to take you further, you know? And, and I think that's, that's super important. And when you have that year round program, like, I don't know how you feel, but it's like you're, you're in the gym every day. You're working with all these different athletes with different issues, and your mind just works differently. You're constantly trying to solve these problems where 
going back to the situation where you're only coaching spring and, and you're at your high school, yeah. it's like you're just trying to get a kid over the bar for the dual meet right. that's coming up next week. You know what I mean? Where it's like it's different. We're really trying to refine the craft and refine the art to try to teach people in a way that, one, as long as they want to work hard, they can keep progressing. Maybe not by feet, right? Like at a certain point, the progression is not going to be like you're not going to PR two feet every year, but that you can still improve. There's still a skill or aspect of your jump that you can work on. There's also something physically you can work on and get yourself stronger and faster and to produce a better result. Because I, I even feel like with master's athletes, sometimes that's the fun thing that they have. They may not hit yeah, a yeah. lifetime PR anymore, but it's like, man, I got my takeoff better this year. Or, wow, my swing is better. Or, you know, as a master, my top end finally looks good. You know, it's like you can constantly work on those things. Yes. A comment about that. I think it's, that's, a, that's a hot button issue. Uh, and we make enemies out of high school coaches if, if we want to dominate their kids' attention and, and suck them all into ourselves. Mm-hmm. Even during the season, some club coaches don't want their kids practicing at their schools. And that would just, I would be done if the schools didn't love me and my work. Right. I'd be glad for my contributions to that. I've never encouraged my kids to quit another sport unless it's cross-country. That makes them slow. Well, yeah, um, I mean, that's, yeah. You know, so I, like yeah, Leanne, my, my sophomore who broke the national sophomore record uh, last year, she went 14-1. She's, you know, uh, suddenly all this pressure and attention on her, you know, and college mm-hmm. interest and all that. And, and I said, so what do you want to do? She says, I, I, I still want to dive in the fall and I want to do gymnastics in the winter. Mm-hmm. And I said, cool. Can you come once a week? Yeah. You know, and, you know, you'll be all right. And what the heck, you know? Uh, so maybe she'd be a better pole vaulter if she had just gone full tilt with me. And this COVID year was weird, you know. She didn't yeah. even retreat to 14-1, 13-9 a couple of times. But uh, I'm not going to be that guy that, that that says, you know, this is so important. Um, you know, it's more important than fun. And if you you know if you've got great things going on at school, and and why not? She's she's got plenty of time to develop to an Olympic elite athlete if she wants to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know what she'll do next year now. Uh, I, you know, she's been doing a little bit more. Uh, I do have a couple kids that have just, they're all in this pole vaulting is what they love and it's all they want to do. Yeah. All want. Even for them, I said, Oh, you know, think, think about taking a break for a couple months and diving or something. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't want to burn you out. Right. But, um, yeah. Nobody's on the state podiums in Washington who is not vaulting in a club. In right. fact, last year, nobody was on a podium in, in 3A who was not vaulting in my club. But, but, but the kids who, that's one reason why the, the heights are exploding around the country is kids are finding uh, all over the place, places to do it more often. Yeah. Which I, I think is exciting for the sport because I, I feel like the club system can really help it grow. I mean, yeah. one, people have a place to train, uh, two, you know, we can have club events, which I mean, I, I don't know how you feel, but I always feel like with the club events, you know, we do it the way pole vaulters want to do it. And that's yeah. the main uh, attraction. Um, so it's, it's, it's exciting for me. Even, you know, honestly, like with coronavirus happening, you know, for me, I'm excited to see how the pole vault community has worked to keep things going. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and despite everything that's happening, it's like people want to pole vault. You know what I mean? And that, yeah. that's exciting because, I mean, listen, I'm preaching to the choir. I, pole vaulting is such an exciting and fun event. Yeah. And it's something that, I really push people to think about it in this realm is that for the growth of our sport, we need to start to, I think, also focus on, you know, this is a 
great total body workout. Pole vaulting always has a great community. You're around a bunch of great people at your gym, at your club, at events where, you know, you have fun, you work out. And it's something that, you know, if you stay in shape, you could do for many, many years. You know, um, I even I talk about, you know, this one master's athlete that I've had on my podcast. When he first came to the club, he wasn't jumping. It was just for his son. And then his son made a bet with him. And so he had to start jumping. Cool. The guy was over 200 pounds. The doctors were talking to him about hip replacement surgery. And now the guy is 160 pounds. He's wow. super fit. And he jumped 12, uh, not this summer, the summer before. So it's, it's an awesome story. And it's something yeah, that you fun. can do, you know, for a long period of time. And it keeps you active and, and engaged. Yeah, yeah. And even just Everybody the social Everybody asks me, how come I don't do it anymore? I think I'd blow a hammy if I tried to get up <laughs> anymore. But well, I do I, other things. I'm a slow and water skier. And I got some things that kind of feed that. You well, I, mean? I, I think also as a coach, here's the tough thing. Me and you, we're so busy coaching so many hours yeah. in the day that it's like they there's not much time left for you to jump, you know? <laughs> I, yeah. I can barely squeeze in the workouts just to stay <laughs> in shape, you know? Yeah. So here's another uh, thing I think about my place that, 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 makes, that explains why the outcomes are, are so different. Mm-hmm. My beginners are vaulting in the presence of the best pole vaulters in the USA every day. Yeah. There is no cloud or glass ceiling of expectation in my gym anymore. You know, everybody knows that 13 feet is totally attainable. Right. You know, right. they're an athlete. And that was an outrageous number some years ago. It's last year I had five over 13. I mean, now, you know, it, nobody has any question whatsoever mm-hmm. uh, that, that they can be 14-foot high school pole vaulters. And there's only been a few, right? I right. could have four next year outlandishly in the yeah. same room. So um, that that's, I call it kind of just drinking the Kool-Aid of, of high expectations. Yeah. Um, that, that's something really cool about that. And, uh, and the, the people feel when they're here, it's like, wow, you know, what, you know, well, you know, it's been done. It's We're going to do it again. I, I will never say anymore. Like when I see a certain athlete, Wow, I'm never going to have an athlete like this again. I better enjoy the ride. Yeah, um, yeah. there's these little bl- blossoms all over the the gym. They're like, oh, I, I see a whole bunch more. Yeah. So well, I, uh, I think you bring up something important, especially because you know I, I feel like people forget how recently women started vaulting. You know, it's it, it, right. It, it, we forget. We think it's been going on forever, but it's like no. 2000 was the first Olympics, yeah. and that mentality, you know. Uh, like you brought up Stacy Dragila, and I try to always explain to people how amazing Stacy was as an athlete because yeah. to think that I mean her PR was fifteen ten and I think three quarters, um, which that would win meets today. But what yeah. was wild was the opening bar at those professional meets sometimes was twelve six. No so way. I, I can't even imagine like you know the, here she is jumping fifteen ten and there's yeah, people. Right no hiding at 12, six, you know, so that the mentality for women's vault, yes, completely changed, you know, I mean, I think, you know, look, the last couple of years, uh, you know, we haven't had anybody jump super high, but the girls that I'm even getting to jump 11, 11, six at the club would be girls that I think, you know, just five years ago would have maybe scratched 10, you know what I'm saying? Because like the 12 foot bar was such a big deal. The 13 foot bar was such a big deal. And now it's, it's not that, you know, right. um, 
Yeah, it's 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 just crazy. Yeah. The the mentality part is is huge. People have to know that it's possible and it's attainable. You right. know, right. Um, I I do think though, you know, with the heights going up on the on the female side, I think like the men's side. I mean, the men's side is blowing up now too. I mean, you, when you watch the top level guys, it, it seems like if you can't jump yeah. nineteen feet, you're not you shouldn't even compete at the top level, right? Um, but. I, I I do think at those higher levels you do need the athletes. Like you you need a certain yeah, yeah, yeah. type of athlete. You know I I mean, what what do you think are some of the crucial let's say like things that okay this person has what it takes to jump those higher bars. Like when you're talking about girls jumping 14 feet or let's say a guy jumping you know 16 17 feet in high school. <laughs> what, what do you what do you need to see? What do you think is important? Well, um, the last point I was going to make. Uh, uh, there's a, a previous one, but as, as, uh, as Stacy Davila's answer to the question, what the heck is going on in Riley's gym? Because she knows a lot of my kids now. And her answer would be, he's got the best athletes in the USA. I have never had an athlete in my gym like he sends like 10 kids to my camp, mm-hmm. you know. Well, of course, there are great athletes everywhere. Yeah. Um, I think that the gymnast who has grown too tall. Yeah is is the ideal choice for a, a starting pole vaulter and sometimes i get a male who's a gymnast i have i have just graduated one uh, a 69 boy uh, and i have a, a really cool little late blooming freshman boy who's tall and, and spindly and not yeah. a whisker on his body and it's like oh he's making uh he's made 13 six this summer already he's just yeah. kind of tickling 14 he's he'll be a 17 footer i think so they here's my my theory on that is that if you start a freshman female soccer player or a volleyball player who looks the part and is tall and narrow hips or whatever, um, they don't have eight years of core training and, and air-mindedness and the ability to swing from their hands like these gymnasts have. So they're, they're already like training years ahead for certain aspects of the, of the motor movements and the, and the uh, skeletal, musculoskeletal development that they need to be pole vaulters. So they yeah. just hit the ground running, right? Maybe you need to tweak the running mechanics a little bit, but that's not a terribly difficult job. Yeah. For, yeah. You know, so um, there is a, an X factor. And when parents bring their kids to me and, you know, for an intro lesson, say, what do you think? If I see a highly cautious kid that every time I say, Hey, let's try this. And I see that look in their face, like, Oh, yeah, I think, okay, well, bless your heart. You look the part, but you're going to do your entire pole vaulting career with your parking brake on because of your, of your level of cautiousness. And yeah. there's just something that there's an, a sweet spot. It's not stupid or reckless, but there's an enjoyment of every like you need another pole. Yeah. And the lighting yeah, up, you yeah. know, up the eyes. So that's a factor that I have learned can be very prohibitive if it's not present in a kid. Mm-hmm. No matter how physically talented they are, I, I don't think Carl Erickson would say that's the most important thing. He would rather have a kid with no parking brake than yeah. a really stud athlete who's like, hell no, I'm not going to swing upside down, you know. So he, right, he, and 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 so uh, I have found that to be true over time. And now a lot of times gymnasts who have gotten used to some of this stuff, you know, doing cartwheels on balance beams that would scare the life out of me. I mean, those kids are the right ones. 
Mm-hmm. So that's another aspect. But I do have gymnasts who start manifesting fear, ironically, after their first year of profound success. And I think, what in the world are you afraid of now? And then I do a little digging around and I find out, oh, yes, I knew her in gymnastics. She was always afraid of the next thing in gymnastics, too. And yeah. I thought, oh, really? Because, my gosh, she took to flying like nobody's business. Right. And up and do this, so it, it kind of shows up, and it it may be other things like perfectionism or or but you know psychology comes into play too because oh, yeah. you know I I've, I've worked with definitely a lot of gymnasts as well, and even let's say some kids that did youth track, and what I find sometimes is like once those kids get really good, they start to feel that pressure a lot, yep. and that's where it's like oh it's like it's like that defense mechanism like well. I, well, I'm just not going to try because if I try yeah. now, I can't, you know, I can fail. But if I just step back, I can't fail. And so I, I find a lot of times as people start climbing that ladder of success, you have to almost start to address those things. I mean, one of oh, the yeah. best things I've ever said to athletes in that position is like, listen, I'm going to be here no matter what. If you PR, I'm going to be here to high five you and celebrate. If you know height, I'm going to be right here too. And I'm, I'm going to listen to whatever you have to say. And I'm not running away. No matter what happens, I, I'll be here, you know? And I think yeah. that's, that's an important thing. And if you sure. can give that to an athlete, that might get them over that hurdle, you know? Um, yeah. So it's, this year it's I commissioned a, Sorry. No, this no, year go I ahead. commissioned a sports psychologist named um, Allison Arnold, Doc Alley, she calls herself. She has a website program uh, for primarily for gymnasts called mind games i think mm-hmm. and i found her todd layman and some other people had used her um and so anyway i said I just, i'm vexed by a couple of my athletes that are getting these this run through drama going on and i'm just like <sighs> you know and, and maybe i'm contributing to it somehow i'm saying the wrong things or whatever so i um she did a few seminars with my class and mostly you know mm-hmm. I, I had like 12 the first time and then eight then four you know yeah, and, like, yeah, yeah. Ah. and then a few kids have continued seeing her but it, it is a very challenging thing and it's a certain I, I happen to have a lot of kids in the Seattle area who come from very high octane private schools mm-hmm. uh, you know they're all kind of four-pointer perfectionists and, yeah, and yeah. people who are that high on the conscientiousness in the disc profile you know in the personality profile is like wow you know it's a blessing and a curse yeah uh, they want it all to be done right, but they're so critical of themselves if it's not, and uh, you know. So uh, you know, those yeah. are some of the nuances that uh, uh, on the frontier of my self improvement that are still out there for me. That I'm just like, I, I really want to get a better grip on that, and and nip it in the bud earlier when it when it comes up. And um, <laughs> yeah. No, oh, yeah, it's. It, I think it's an important piece. Um, I, I know you don't have much time left because you've got a class coming in, uh, but I just wanted to kind of bring it back to, to what we started with. So I want to ask your opinion. If I'm a coach just starting out, I'm trying to develop my system. Um, I, I always compare it to cooking. If you're a new coach, you've got to follow some recipes. you got to yeah, get a yeah. cookbook. And who, whose cookbook are you going to take? So who, who would you recommend? What coaches, you know, besides yourself, should people be looking towards to learn from their systems, what they do? Uh, what, what would be your advice to that coach? Well, I think some sustainable mentoring is a really a great idea. So it kind of depends where you are. 
You know, if there's anybody close to me, you know, they know they're welcome in my gym anytime. Yeah. You know, uh, they can come to camps and video everything, follow me around, keep asking me questions right. if they want. If they can come with their kids oh, mm-hmm. and watch what I say to their kids and all yeah. that, 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 that's amazing. And that's not convenient if they live in southern Texas, but there's some coaches right. down there, right? So right. Find, find who it is in your area and, and just, you know, be an unapologetic sponge. Say, may I just kind of listen in, please, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think you have to stick rule by rule to every uh, uh, ingredient in the recipe, you know? Mm-hmm. But if you're not, you know, even Pat Manson, he's been seeing me, you know, he doesn't need mentoring, right? But, you know, at these national meets, he's like, what the hell? How do your yeah. kids plant like that and still swing? What the hell? I said, dude, yeah. just come, you know? Yeah. He said, I'm coming. So this spring, when we kind of were just about getting COVID shut down, I said, so, Pat, you, you want to come and do my camp with me? I'll pay you to come and, you know, work my camp. He says, I'm coming. Yeah. So, you know, bless his heart. He just, like, two days lead time, you know, he got himself a plane ticket and came and spent the weekend with me. And then he and yeah. I and Stacey planted more. So, all of us need to just kind of go and, and, and be with some other folks. I went down to Stacy's with Pat and, and we all coached each other's kids for a couple of days and uh, um, listened to each other. And uh, it's good, you know? So I just think who's close is, is nice. And uh, in our state, we've, we've had a, a mandatory certification program going on for a little over 15 years. And, it just cultivated such collegiality at track meets. It's coaches are elbow to elbow. And what do you see? And can I borrow a pole or, you know, um, I think that is really fruitful and productive and coaches that want to kind of hide their cards to their chest and not let anybody else know what they're doing are probably not going to beat anybody. Yeah. Um, And, uh, so, uh, yeah, I just, uh, uh, you know, I'm I'm still seeking mentors. I've learned some things uh, this year that have, have have already been applied and are having an influence on my uh, on my gym. One thing, for example, is Dave Butler, who is adamantly no, you can't let kids bend poles early. And I'm like, okay, but there's something you're saying which I really do think is cool, which is your demonstration of that little narrow two hand grip thing. You know, to kind of straighten out that are they're not getting their chest into the vault that are sort of blocking out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I fixed a whole lot of kids by, by uh, Brian Yokoyama uh, was championing that drill some years ago. But I, I, yeah. this year again, I said, you know, there are a number of kids that are not flowing as like I like them to from plant to swing. And I have, have improved that by, by trying that um, narrow grip drill again. And so that was Butler's influence to remind me that, that you know, some of that can help. Yeah. I just, yeah. You know, you don't have to, uh, got, you know, with the Internet as it is, <laughs> all that kind of thing. <laughs> You can see a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. Um, that's pretty helpful. Um, yeah, I, I definitely always tell people I, I think that that's the amazing thing with, you know, social media and such mm-hmm. because you can reach out to people and, and learn from them, you know. Yeah. Um, I know I, I've helped a lot of people who have reached out to me. I bet and you have. I've definitely yeah. earlier in my career, like, reached out to a lot of people that have been immense influences, uh, you know. Uh, yeah. So that that's something you definitely got to do. You got, you got to reach out. To I people. think so. And I don't think the elite coaches do that. I don't think, you know, uh, maybe they shouldn't, you know, the, the <laughs> old guard, you know, uh, are, are they listening to, especially to any folks coaching high school kids? I bet not, you know, but my kids now are, you know, they're like, they'd be the, my top four would be like second or third rank NCAA team 
squad. Right. I mean, so it's not like we're playing miniature golf here or anything, you know. I mean, kids, are, kids are stuck. Yeah. To go pretty hard. Well, you know, it, it, we were talking about this before the podcast. It's it's shocking to me how often you find out that like some of these coaches have never worked with beginners, you know. Yeah. And it's like it's it's a different ball game, right? Like if if you're getting someone that kind of already knows how to vault, and now you're just like you know they're going into college mm-hmm. or even in post collegiate, and you know you just they're just training, getting stronger and faster. And then you're just trying to get on some bigger poles, which I always feel like that's like a weird game to play as a pole vault coach. Like, Oh, that's the only goal today is like, we're trying to get on a bigger pole. And it's like, well, what skills do I need to learn to get on that? pole? Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like it can't, yeah. I, I don't want to just try, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't know if I told you my goal was to bench 300 pounds, you wouldn't just put 300 pounds on the bar and let me just try. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we'd have to work our way up to that, you know? It's one of the um, indicators that you're doing good things if you need a bigger pole. Right. frame it differently, you know? We're, we're talking, uh, we got to spin the takeoff and, and, and increase PRV today, pole rotation velocity, you know, I want right. to work on that. Um, yeah. 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 That. So, I, yeah, I mean, you're, you're bringing up, you know, great points there. And I, and I think kind of going back to, you know, the, the whole reason I'm wanting to talk to you is like, I think that's why coaches have to develop these systems. Like, how are you going to teach these skills? What are your progressions going to be? And, and even regressions, like we were talking about before, it's like, you might have someone that has a full jump, you know, and they have a decent PR, but you see a mistake and now we've got to work kind of backwards and, and rework this jump, you know? So I don't know. Maybe, you know, uh, how many places you can go for, for kind of a, a system in a book or a video. That's what I did with my video a few years ago. I mm-hmm. um, frustrated with, with the sort of the elite orientation of everybody else's videos out there. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. and it's like three hours and 75 drills. And how do you find a good athlete in the hallways? And I mean, it's, it's kind of oriented to that. So mm-hmm. that's, that's one of my answers. I, I've, I've never seen anything that so comprehensively tried to address the needs. Yeah, of the I, program. I mean, early on in my career, I mean, the thing that I think helped me a lot, besides what you're talking about, where I got to work with Mike Lorick at Vertical Assault and, you know, different yeah. coaches. I mean, I, I love beginner to book. That to me was like a cook. Yeah, yeah. You know, I would read through Good that one. and I was like, oh, the closer I follow this cookbook, the better yeah. my kids jump, you know? That's a and, very important and, book. And, and again, I think, you know, this is where it's like what I said earlier. Sometimes people want to debate technique and they're like, oh, never look at beginner to book guy. I don't like that stuff. And it's like, uh-huh. okay, but if, if you have a beginner coach, they can learn some stuff in there about how to set up their system and then they can start to have technical deviations from that. Yeah. Um, I I even like uh, Sean's new book, you know, the I do the too. I read that. Box. I like that yeah. a lot. You know, I, th- I think that that's a great tool for a coach. Um, so th- there are some things out there. Um, you know, I, I mean, w- if somebody wanted to get your video, how could they get it? It's on championship videos. I don't own the okay. thing. Uh, it's a coach's blueprint for success. Okay. Um, there was a, one high school coach in the nation for each event. Okay. And they made a, they made a series. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if people Google it, they'll, they'll be able to find yeah. it, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but so I, you know, I, I just like to keep seeing people call and say, can we come? Yeah. Because I'm going to keep going places. I mean, I'm not going to mm-hmm. sit here and close my windows. I'm, you know. Uh, no, I, I, no I, I totally agree with that. I, I feel like some people don't realize how, how huge that is. Like you can't, all, I, I would think most clubs 
our open door policy. Like if you want to learn yeah. from a coach, they, they are more than happy to let you in. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I love getting people asking me questions. I, yeah. I love being to help people. I think that's yeah. why we all became coaches. Uh, right. You know, the base level is like want to help someone, you know? Yeah. So I really appreciate I, the energy you're putting into this little project, man. I've listened uh, to a number of your podcasts. I, uh, I heard Matt Barry and, uh, mm-hmm. and Bubba. And I even listened to Tiana's. I got to know her a little bit, uh, a year ago. We both were presenting in a clinic in Portland. Uh, uh, yeah, all she, good. yeah, she was great. I, I loved having she's her cool. on. Yeah, she's a very interesting, uh, resourceful person. What a stud, of course, too, but you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <You> know. <laughs> um, well, Tim, th- thank you for doing the podcast. Um, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, what's what's the best way? My website's northwestpovault.com. Okay. And uh, yeah, happy to hear from anybody and uh, happy to see them at the side of the fence at a track meet or a Reno or wherever else. And, uh, to lean in and visit about their kids, whatever. Love it. Awesome. Well, for everybody that, that's uh, watching or listening, thank you for uh, joining us for the apex vaulting podcast. This has been a great episode and, and we'll uh, see you soon. Right on. Be well. Again, thanks for joining us for the apex vaulting podcast. Please subscribe if you enjoy the podcast, tell your friends to subscribe and leave a comment or review us. You can find us on Instagram at The Real Apex Vaulting. We're also Apex Vaulting on Snapchat, Twitter, and you can email us at apexvaulting at gmail.com if you have any comments or questions. Thanks for listening.